We, we are in our series called Light, and the picture that we are painting is that every single one of us, we are imprisoned in this dark cave, and we are captive to it, but there are whispers of a light that is outside of the cave. There are rumors of a greater world that is outside of the cave, and there is word of a rescuer who is coming in for us, and he's going to break the chains, and he's going to bring us out, our, the great light of the world that we follow out of the darkness, out into the light, into the world that we are made for. And that great hope is Jesus Christ. And today, we are looking into the darkness of our pain and our suffering. And the Bible is very, very honest about our pain and suffering, yet at the same time, what is also promised is that we have a God who will enter into our own pain and suffering and rescue us up out of it. So that's what we're talking about today. And I'm telling you guys, this is a very serious topic because some of you right now, you are just pissed off at God. And some of you right now, you're seeing other people suffering and it's keeping you from going to God. And my hope is that today, that you will allow God into that suffering and you won't see the suffering that you're going through or others were going through and push God away, but you will reach for him and you'll ask and you'll invite him into that suffering. You cannot walk through suffering and come out alive without him. I'm not exaggerating here. Suffering will either change you for the better or for the worse. And Christ, if you will let him, will take your suffering and he will bring you through it and you will come out like gold. But you've got to go to him. So I want to take you to him now. We're going to be in John 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. So here's what it says. It's up on the screen if you want to read with me. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciple asked, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, came back, and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, is he? Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go and wash, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. So Jesus and the disciples are going along, and they come along this man who is born blind. And at the root of what the disciples are asking is why. Why is this man born blind? What is the reason? Why? 
And it's similar to what we're always going to God asking him. God, why are things the way they are? Why are things happening in my life the way they're happening? Why am I suffering? Why am I seeing people around me suffering? Why is there suffering in this world? And we're just asking this question, why, God, why is this happening? And we hear stories of horrible things happening to people. And we want to know why. Is it wrong for us to ask why? No. In fact, in fact, our asking why is in a sense us reaching for God. Just asking that question, why are things not the way they're supposed to be, is to come to the conclusion that there is something greater, a greater world that we are made for. Why would we know that things are wrong unless we are made for a world that is greater than the one we are in? The question of why about suffering is proof that there is a God and proof that there is a greater world that we're made for. The question is us reaching for him. So my, one of my sons, um, he's having bowel problems. And I'm going to have to stop using him as an example because he's going to get older and this is going to become embarrassing. So I'm going to stop. But while I can, I will. So he's having bowel problems. And, and he goes, why is God letting this happen to me? You know, he's already, he's four, and he already knows, like, if there's something wrong, where do, well, I'm going to go to God and figure out what's going on here. He got bit by a mosquito, and, and he says, why did God make mosquitoes, and why are they hungry for people? And so he's, he's asking this question, and in a way, it's very clear that he's reaching for God. There's a story of this man who had everything. He loved God. He loved people well. Um, he had tons and tons of money. He treated everybody very well. He was very well liked. He had all this land. He had a huge family. And then all of a sudden, everything was taken. He lost it all. All of his children died. His house burned down, and he lost everything that he had to make a living with. Everything was gone. And in the midst of it happening, he, he does something that at the time was very popular. It's a way to express your heartache. It's a way to ask why in a sense. And so he has clothes and he rips his clothes. So at the time, this is the way heartache was shown. But as he's doing this, he never blames God. He says, God, is, God is in control. He is powerful and he is good. And he, but yet at the same time, he doesn't blame him. In fact, in the midst of it, he does something that seems impossible, and he praises God. He's praising him in the midst of the suffering that he's walking through. And the man's name is Job. This is a biblical story, and it's a really, a, a, it's a fascinating story of someone's journey through pain and suffering. And it's I'll be honest, it's uncomfortable to read at times because you're seeing God's involvement with it all. And you're trying to work through. I mean, God, God is in control, and he is powerful, and he is good. So why is this happening? And it's uncomfortable. And what Job does is he never blames God. And he understands that God doesn't inflict the pain and suffering but he's allowing it to happen. And Job's question to God is why? 
And the journey leads Job to realize something. Something that's true about us and about him is that he is blind spiritually to what to greater things that are going on than we can see. The mind of God is far beyond our grasp and there are things playing out that we don't yet understand. But first, so it's his journey through understanding and eventually he comes to understand, but it starts with this. He starts asking the question, why? The reason, by the way, the reason that we are asking this question is because we are spiritually blind to what's happening. There's a greater story unfolding in our lives, but we cannot see it. How frustrated are you when you're suffering and you see other people around you suffering? You ask, why do things have to be this way? Why can't God just fix everything? And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to be naive and say that today in this sermon, you're going to leave here and you're going to be like, okay, suffering, I'm prepared for it, I'm going to walk through. This is a long journey for Job in understanding what suffering has to do with God and how we walk through it with him. So along Job's journey, he does, listen, he does find understanding. And Jesus invites us into an explanation. So the disciples are looking for an explanation of why this guy's blind. And the disciples fall into a trap that many of us fall into. They say to him, why is this man blind? Is it because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? They're asking, they're, they're trying to get to the root of it. Is, who's guilty in this? Why is this guy blind? Who's to blame for this? And they're asking Jesus' question. And he says, neither. See, the disciples right here are approaching suffering too simplistically. And very interestingly, this is like most, most other religions do. So the tsunami disasters of 2004 hit. And when they hit, a lot of religions released official statements as explanations for why it happened. And so the, the Buddhists released a statement. So the Buddhists have a, a doctrine of karma. And basically what, they're, what they released said this. There are demerits. The people who died, they died because of demerits or sins or things that they've done wrong in past lives or in this life. And those who lived were reaping rewards for the things that they had done in past life in this life. The Hindu belief also has a belief of karma. Only the Hindu belief is that we have, they believe in gods or a god. And so they said... They said, this is divine punishment happening for things that have happened, things that people have done in the past. That's why they died. Um, the Muslims, the Muslim areas that were affected, um, what they said was that individuals, or a community does not suffer for the sins of an individual. And so they said, God's testing us. Now listen, all the while Jesus is saying, no, it's not karma. No, that's not the answer. And he's saying, no, this is not a test. There are greater things happening than what you see here. The new age thought said this is, this is basically um, mother nature is waking up and stretching. And by that happening, it's causing the tsunami to happen. And Jesus says, no, suffering is not senseless. So the Christian response to the suffering, and you might not like it, but the Christian response was, it's a mystery. 
we don't know why this is happening. We don't know why that happened. Now, why would, why would the Christian response be that? Because, listen, you've got to hear this. Suffering is not a result of specific sins, but of sin in general. So the Christian explanation of suffering goes like this. And by the way, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that if you, if you lie, like if you're just a liar and you lie all the time and your boss knows that you're a liar, you're going to suffer for that because you're probably going to get fired. But what this is talking about, this is talking about suffering that has not, it's not a direct result of someone doing something wrong. So here's how Christianity explains suffering. The explanation. It's back in Genesis 3, and it's because sin has set things into chaos. It's really the only, I mean, honestly, it's the only logical explanation. So here's how it goes. God is creating the world, and when God creates the world, he brings order out of chaos. He brings peace for all of creation. Everything is good. Everything is operating the way it's supposed to be. Everything is flourishing. There's no such thing as hurting death or pain at that time. That sounds crazy to us because we're so used to it, but it does not exist. And then here's what happens. Sin enters into the world, and what was in order becomes disordered. And suffering starts happening. Creation becomes violent, and pain sets, goes wild and starts throwing this party. God didn't cause this. It was the sin, here's what it is. It's us wanting God out of the world. God brings about flourishing. He brings about peace. He brings about things being the way that they're supposed to be. And when you want the one who brings things the way they're supposed to be out of the world, then you get that. He's the one that's holding everything together as the way it ought to be. And when he's out, things get messed up. We no longer have the world that we desire. So just, I just want you to think, Real quick, what are the ways right now that you're suffering? We're all suffering something. Some of us are suffering more, some of us are suffering less, but how are you suffering? Now, there's, there's two ways that we typically respond to suffering that are traps, just like what the disciples did. We either blame ourselves or we blame others. So if we're blaming ourselves, this is what it looks like. If you're blaming yourself, the signs that you're blaming yourself is that you're, you feel guilty. Maybe you've done something in the past, and maybe you're suffering, or maybe you have kids suffering in your life, and you're thinking, oh, my kids are suffering. It's because I did this a long time ago. Or it's because I did this recently. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Signs that you are blaming yourself is that you feel guilty all the time. And many of you are suffering and you're blaming others. And the sign that you are blaming others is that you are just angry. While you blame yourself, it produces guilt. When you blame others, it produces anger in you. You see suffering and you say, this is the fault of the, this is the, fault of the government. This is the fault of rich people. This is the fault of my friends. This is the fault of my family. You're looking for someone to blame and you're so angry at those people. It, so... Listen, if you have a conservative background, 
when you're successful, you tend to blame yourself. And when others are successful, you blame them. And when you see someone suffering, you say, usually, typically, well, this is the pattern. You'll say something like this. Yeah, I see them suffering, but what did they do to cause this? Maybe nothing. Maybe this is just the life God has given them. Listen, the reason that you might have some talents, you didn't earn those talents. They were just given to you. The reason that you have drive to succeed at something, that's not given to you. That's a gift from God that's been given to you. Now, if you have a progressive background, things go wrong, you tend to blame others. So when someone suffers, you're looking for someone to demonize for that suffering. But listen, that just might be their story, and maybe God's got some great work beyond that part that you're seeing, that, beyond the part of the suffering that you cannot see right now. Suffering is so much more complex than blaming yourself or blaming others. Sometimes, sometimes, yes, we are to blame. If we're lying and we're lying all the time and we get fired, I mean, we're to blame for that. If, if someone is, is raised in a very unhealthy environment, they're going to suffer for that. And so someone else is to blame for that. But also, there are times when no one's to blame for suffering. Or... Are you suffering and you are just so mad at God about it? You're mad that he's given the life that he's given you. Or you're mad that he isn't helping you fix things that are in your life. And what I found is that all of us, every single one of us, to a degree, we are all blaming God for something. Why are we doing that? Because we don't trust him and we don't think he's good. And we don't think that he's wise. Or... We think that he owes us something. But Job, the guy who suffered, in his journey, he eventually realized that God didn't owe him anything, that God is good and that God is also wise. <laughs> the Christian comes to the realization that God didn't owe me anything, but he gave me absolutely everything I could ask for and more in Jesus Christ. And I, I want to say this. If God was paying everybody back for all the stuff they did, the reality is there wouldn't be any of us left. We'd be gone. I, I want to say this. In, in one sense, this blind man is an innocent sufferer. But in another sense, there are no innocent people suffering. God doesn't owe the blind man sight. It, it's because of the sins of humanity that things are playing out the way they are, and we want to blame God for it. Um, but it's not specific sins. It's sin in general that is gone out like a web and is causing all the suffering there is in this world. So, while we don't know a specific, immediate reason usually for why we are suffering, Jesus tells us here there is a reason. Jesus is saying, listen, the, listen, listen, guys, the suffering is not a senseless suffering. 
He says, it is so that the works of God might be displayed through him. And you're like, oh man, so God's just using this guy for him to suffer. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. The thing that all of us want more than anything else, if we, if we understand what it means, is for the works of God to be displayed in us and through us. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that there is a purpose behind this blind man's suffering. There's a purpose behind it. You know when people say, you know, I'm walking through this right now and, you know, I'm going to keep my head up because I know that something good has got to come out of that. That is a very Christian response to suffering. Jesus says the way to deal with suffering is to know it's not senseless. It's not meaningless. There might, it might be a mystery for why it's happening, but there is a purpose behind it. And so the work of God is this. Jesus says the work of God might display, be displayed through him. So here's the work of God. It's so that God will refine you and refine the world around you through the suffering you're going through. Now listen, God is not inflicting the suffering, but he's going to use it to refine you and to refine the world around you. And that's not it. You see what happened to the man, right? He was blind. Jesus gives him sight. He takes the dust and his spit and he makes mud. It's kind of gross, but I want, it was a lot, maybe it was a lot of spit. So here, here's the thing. Do you know how God created us? But the Bible says he created us out of the dust of the earth. So Jesus is taking the dust, but he's also taking a part of him. He's bringing it together, and he's bringing about a recreation. I mean, if somebody wants to come up here, I'll demonstrate what he did. I, I could get some dirt. I could smear it on your eyes. Um, but here's the thing. He's bringing about a recreation, but I want you to hear this. Going to Jesus might not make you suffer less. You might actually suffer more by going to him. That's what happened to the disciples. They were all, every single one of the disciples, by listening to Jesus, were crucified, except for one. All of them except for one were crucified for doing what he told them to do. Here's what's going on. So you're like, well, why would I go to Jesus? That sounds like a horrible idea. The hope isn't in this world. The hope is in the world that is, in to come, that is to come. Now listen, sometimes the world that is to come, the great promise of Christianity is the world that we have longed for, the world that we want, the world that is greater than we can imagine is awaiting us. And sometimes what happens is the world that is to come will begin to inhabit the world that is. And that's what we see with this blind man happening here. The world that is to come is inhabiting our world, and is bringing about a recreation. Now, listen, I don't know why sometimes someone who has cancer gets better and someone doesn't. We don't know that answer. It is a mystery. But what we do know is that God is good and he will bring about good through the suffering somehow, some way. Because he's good and he's powerful and he's wise. The great promise of Christianity is that the spiritual kingdom will one day take over the physical, the emotional, and the social. Everything one day will be redeemed. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're longing for. It says all creation is groaning for the revealing of this day. The blind man's seeing is just a fore, 
taste, or better yet, a foresight of the coming kingdom. Now, I told you guys last week that Elise is pregnant. We're having a baby girl. Very excited about this. I know it's very exciting. Now, now listen, there is a pain in childbirth. I have seen two of them, um, and it looks painful. And um, there's a suffering that goes about in the midst of childbirth. But at the end of it, new life comes into the world. New creation happens. Um, but there's pain along the way to get there. Uh, so, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about this. She's not in here, though. Uh, the, the anesthesiologist, she's going to get an epidural. Epidural, if you don't know, kind of makes you numb so it doesn't hurt as bad. Well, the anesthesiologist got stuck in surgery. And so, he never came. And I have never heard Elise scream like this before. Um, she was in pain. I've never heard that. Um, and I know the pain because I was wearing a ring. She was holding my hand, and I was wearing a ring. And I have a rubber ring now specifically because of that. But um, she was holding my hand and squeezing it. And if, if you have a ring on and your fingers get squeezed between, you can, it's painful. So I know the pain of childbirth. Um, now, if the pain didn't bring about new life, then it's senseless. But it brought about new life into the world. And it's the same thing with our suffering. God promises that new life will come through it. It doesn't end there. It's not senseless. Now, even if you lose a child in childbirth, you brought a soul into existence. And while life on this earth might be short, Life in eternity is forever by the grace of God. So many of us, we're suffering and we're handling it wrong. And we think it's senseless when there's a purpose behind it. You don't know it now, but I mean, this is all about faith. This is about faith that you're believing that God is going to bring something good out of it. And you've got two choices. I mean, none of us know the future, so we either have faith that God's going to bring something good, or we have faith that God's going to bring something bad, or we have faith that God doesn't care, but it's all a faith position. Christianity is saying, have faith that God's going to bring something good out of the suffering. Some of you guys are, are suffering right now, and you think you're being punished. I want you to know that it says in Romans... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? It means that all of the punishment that was meant for you has been handled by Christ on the cross, and there's no reason at all for you to be punished at all. It's been handled. If it hasn't been handled, then Christianity's fake and none of it's real, and we should just leave here right now. But he says, all all. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of it's been handled on the cross. There's no reason for you to be punished. Now, does God discipline like a loving father? Yes, but every single bit of it is out of love for you and for your good. And, and this is what we do a lot of times too. We try to handle our suffering by being stoic. We try to ignore it. We try to pretend like it's not there. We try to go numb to it in a way. I want to be careful here, but 
I believe that what God wants to do is enter in, for us to enter into the suffering not alone but with him. And that if we will do that, he will begin the process of refining us. And it might be a painful process, but he's refining us and he's refining the world around us through it. Now, my guess is that there's a high potential that some of you have been listening to this and, and it's, you're boiling up now. Like maybe you're more angry at God than when you got here. And I want to tell you, here's the reason. Because there's something about Christianity that you're missing. Here's what it is. God does not watch you suffer from a distance. But God comes into your suffering. You have a God who understands your suffering very, very well. He felt it on the cross a billion times more. And what you have to know, if you're going to trust him, what you have to come to realize is that every bit of suffering that would have been coming to you was handled on the cross by him. He suffered an eternal death so that we might, our, our suffering might only be temporary. And listen, maybe you're hearing this and this just sounds like words to you. And that's, I get it. Because it's usually in the midst of the suffering that we're reaching for God. And it begins to start making sense. But listen, listen, listen. listen. His flesh is torn on the cross so that we, like Job, only rip our clothing. And when his flesh is torn, he cries out these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, the son of God, is crying out those words, why is this happening? But yet he still knows. And the father tells him, we see this all throughout the Bible, the reason the answer to his question, why, is so that he might bring about new life in you. His suffering brings about new life in you. When he cries out, why, the only, the only innocent person to suffer in the history of the cosmos is Jesus Christ. It happened on the cross and it happened for you. He went there in your place to suffer in your place. Christianity is utterly unique from everything else in that it promises that it has a God who will come and suffer for you. This world sucks at times. But, listen, don't, don't, listen, listen. This world sucks at times. But God suffered to bring you into a new one. Your life sucks at times, but God has suffered to give you a new life. And I'm not going to pretend like you're going to, that's all you need to hear and now everything's fine and you can go joyfully suffer. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that there's still good news here and it's going to be a journey in discovering it and finding it. Suffering is either going to destroy you and make you hate God and turn and run from him into an eternal death or suffering is going to make you reach for him and make you reach for him for new life.
the only, I, I'm convinced of this, the only reason you're going to reach, reach for him is if you believe he knows what you're going through. And we know that he does. He knows exactly what you feel. You can identify with him and he wants you to invite him into your suffering so he might walk with you through it and so that you might come out of it like gold. But you gotta go to him. You gotta reach for him. All right, so the question box is back there. My guess is that we've got a lot coming after today, and that's great. So make sure if you have questions right now, you're writing them down, um, and we'll figure them out together. Um, or maybe we'll say it's a mystery we don't know. But I can promise you this. Christianity is screaming at you that there is hope. There's hope in the midst of suffering. And if you're not suffering right now, it's probably coming. It is. This world is a world that's full of suffering. Guys, I'm, I'm just wanting to be honest with you. I don't want to give you things that aren't true. You don't want me to do that, do you? I mean, I could tell you some things that will make you feel good that aren't true. <laughs> okay, listen. Again, there's hope in this. You have a God who suffers in your place. You have a God who understands your suffering. Just go to him. Augustine says, I believe so that I might understand. Part of it is you just got to take the risk and go to him in the midst of your suffering so that you might understand. It's a journey. All right, let's pray.